Hey, this is Lacey Johnson, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues. Hey everybody, you are listening to Adrian Has Issues, the conversational podcast celebrating the culture of creativity. So this doesn't happen a whole lot in podcasting, at least in my experience. Everybody that I talk to is different. Everybody's wonderful. And it's usually a good time. But you know you're in for a good time when your best conversations happen and then you realize, oh, shoot, we should probably like start the show proper because <laughs> this happened the first time it happened again. I am speaking with Ian Cowell, the <laughs> <laughs> like I, I got to we got to find you like. A, well, I mean, I know you could have like a bunch of different monikers and nicknames, but I got to find one that like I think I'm comfortable with. You get whatever, whatever you like. The people at Starbucks have called me Ethan, so there you go. Anything, <laughs> <laughs> and this like is... you can be whatever you like. <laughs> well, actually, hold that thought because that kind of leads into something that we ended on last time. Um, you heard him on uh, the last episode, <laughs> and we had so much fun. We had to make a part two. Like immediately after we were done, we were like, "All right, we got to do this again." Because we had went almost 40 minutes that time before we even started the show proper. We just did it again. Uh, had so much fun. But uh, he is a audio engineer musician out of the East Bay Area, as I've learned. Because I just said Bay Area, and I was quickly corrected. Again, my East Coast bias uh, got the better of me, so I apologize. This past December 2021, you had released your full-length album, Exceptional Goblins. And we also had referenced the story in which, like, how I met you through that year's edition of VGM Con. So I don't want to bore you with all that because that conversation had already happened in the previous episode. So go listen to that one. But one. <laughs> we had had a running joke about the multiverse of Ian Cowell, because like I said, as you know, you're <laughs> Ian Cowell, but then there's also your musician persona, Neon Cowell. But then you had kind of hit me with this cool cliffhanger towards the end about the fact that there's another Ian Cowell out in the world. And I'm a little frightened by that. Yeah. Oh, man. So I think a lot of people are. They're not ready uh, to handle two chubby guys who can't grow beards, who <laughs> live in the same uh, general geographic area. Yeah, E.N. Um, Cowell, my uh, arch rival. Actually, he's a really nice guy. And since we uh, did episode one, we actually hung out at his show recently. That was for GDC, 8-Bit SF, put it on at the DNA Lounge. MC Frontalot came out. That was a lot of fun. I'd never seen him before. He had a live drummer. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Got to see a whole bunch of cool people, including... Actually, I missed his set. I was late to the show. But E.N. Cowell, Evan Cowell, that's his moniker, because his, his middle initial, I believe, has an N in it. So he's E.N. Cowell, but I'm Ian Cowell. We both kind of look similar. A little bit. Oh, this is you wild. Know, he's he's a he's a tad more um, not white than I am, but <laughs> we get confused for one another. You know, 
He's a cool, he's a really cool guy. We first like officially met at MagWest in 2018 and uh, we got put on a panel together. My good friend, uh, Gene Drayband, he and his buddy Brian have pixelated audio. It's another really fun podcast about video game music. They had a panel. And so it was myself, Nick Galvez of Birthday, Lex the Lexicon artist. Oh, nice. The Runaway 4. Oh, double uh, nice. <laughs> Vector Hold. And then, uh, and then uh, who else was there? Michaela, who plays the Automaton. Really talented. And um, it was in Tetramino. That other another great VGM band, they had played that year, and I'm trying to think of anyone else that might have been on that panel. And then it was Ian Cowell. So that was our first time meeting and taking some uh, comedic jabs at one another. But I really owe that guy a lot because my first few shows as the band Birthday with Nick happened because we were booked because people thought that I was Evan. Oh uh, shit, really? At the t- yeah. <laughs> at the time I had I don't know if it was some fucking hokey profile picture on Facebook. It might have been something from RoboCop or Total Recall or <laughs> some Paul Verhoeven movie. And I think at the time he made a new account or also had some anonymous profile pictures. So our names are very similar. And uh we had just done our first show at the Milk Bar in San Francisco with another band called Rad Dad. And they were rad. None of them were dads, though. That was kind of a bummer, but they were really nice. They gave us our first show. So after that, we got another gig in San Francisco, and it was opening for Phaserland from Detroit. He's a really, really cool uh, synthwave artist who really tears it up on the guitar, Uh, our buddy Ross. And... um, so we went out and did that show, and when we were asked to do it, the guy who booked me was like, oh, cool, I didn't know that you uh, you have a new band. And I'm like, new band? I've never talked to this dude before. <laughs> he just kind of randomly hit me up. And, That's uh, amazing. And he's like, oh, yeah, your music's cool, man. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we'll do the show. And so cool, our second show is opening for a guy who makes like really sick guitar-based synthwave music. I'm all into it. And then I go, and the guy meets us, and the guy who books the show, Devin, kind of smiles at me and then he's like you know I, I actually thought you were somebody else but then i listened to the music and you know thought okay yeah we, we could still do the gig okay that's weird <laughs> and then a couple weeks later it's an event for gdc and 8-bit sf they're a, a chip music collective in san francisco and they have a uh, sibling event in la 8-bit la so some friends run both events and uh and then Morgan, who is also known as Crash Faster, he runs 8-Bit SF or has been involved with running it for a really long time now. Okay. And uh, he hits me up. I've met him at shows. And uh, if you've ever met Morgan, he's a really nice guy. But he's just like physically imposing. He's got these <laughs> eyebrows that are just like killer eyebrows. Like I wish I had him, and he'd probably like hate to hear me say that. But he's just got a vicious look. Like he's a he's a you know he's a handsome, but kind of like he could be a villain, but also like a wizard, but like not with like a long beard. <laughs> I don't know how to describe. He's he's Morgan. If you know him, he's cool. But he hits me up on Facebook and. I'm like, wow, Morgan's reaching out to me. That's weird. I've said hi many times and he's just stared at me. So I, you know, he's being very <laughs> friendly as if he knows me. And he's oh like, oh, God. cool, man. New profile. I'm like, sure. It's like the same one since 2008. <laughs> like, and he's like, hey, man, I got a, I got a gig here for, for GDC. They do an event called POW, which is also funny enough. It's going to tie back it to the end of this tale. 
So th- thank you for the platform to discuss this at length. No worries. This is great. I'm loving this story. Back to what's going on. I'm not. This isn't a Tim Rogers podcast. I know this is like turning into like the talented Mr. Ripley, but like <laughs> synthwave and VGM. Dude, it, it's so much deeper. No murder yet. I mean, we'll see. Um, <laughs> spo- spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the late '90s thriller, The Talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> a good movie. Um, we do this show, and uh, on the bill is who's on this whole lineup? Birthday, and this is also the weekend that the Switch came out. Okay. So it's not—it's not just a VGM event. It's a VGM event of people who are excited about the switch and I make that sound like it's a big deal. Really. It's that I brought mine and so did Nicola Whalen, who I met for the first time. And we awkwardly drunkenly played Bomberman (laughs) on our switch in the middle of the venue. And uh, it was nothing like the ads we saw in the year leading up to it. It was just very awkward and loud, (laughs) but do this, we do this show. And uh, it's also my first time meeting Jay Kim, Ronan Op F, who is in Birthday and is an amazingly talented solo artist in their own right and has been on Exceptional Goblins and other songs I've done and has been gracious enough to let me do the art for his last two singles that have come out, one of which is going to be in the Soundfall game coming out soon. Oh, that's cool. Wishlist it on Steam. Lots of VGM people. Anyways, way off the point, Tim Rogers, once again, which is the best part about Tim Rogers, that, that guy talks so fucking long that I can just go off and be like, oh, Tim Rogers, it's okay. He does it longer. <laughs> he also is a nerd, so it's all connected. He does not like jokes about the length of his shit, but it's okay. He's not, I don't know if he's, I hope he listens. <laughs> I was about to say, he's not going to listen. Like, I have no, I have no idea what he listens to, and that makes it sound very negative, and it's, why am I putting him on a pedestal? Jesus. T- <laughs> Anyways, my gosh, this is great. This is great already. Oh, this is wonderful. So that we, we play this fucking show, met a bunch of people. Just imagine the movie Boogie Nights, but it's sweatier and no one wants to sleep with any of us. <laughs> so we're all there. It, we're all talking about FM synthesis, all the shit. Morgan comes up. Just to refresh anyone who tuned out the last 15 minutes, I talked about other shit. He runs 8-Bit SF. He books me. He books our band. And uh, he hands me the money. I, uh, it, was a, it was a fair amount, and we had drink tickets. I was very pleased about this. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, so you're not Evan. I was like, no, man, I'm Ian. What makes this more ridiculous is not only does he think I'm Evan Cowell, but I come to find out he is also in a band with and works with Evan Cowell. Holy shit. How the fuck do you not know that I'm not your coworker and your bandmate? I don't understand. And that will forever be a mystery to me. (laughs) This is getting like (laughs) Lynchian almost like this is nuts. It's weird. And I'm like, I'm like kind of stoked, but I'm also irritated because the imposter syndrome in me is like, are we just getting shows because they think I'm this other fucking guy named Ian who's not even an Ian? So I'm like, it's this whole thing. You know, who's who, man? Oh, and here's the other thing, too. They're not only are they at a band together, they played fucking Magfest like that same year or the year so, prior. Uh, so not only are you in a band with this guy, you performed. At the sem- at the VGM event on the right. stage with the same dude, and you somehow confused us 
I was so I was all in on this mystery, Adrian. Let me tell you, what was what was getting us these drink tickets? It was it was phenomenal. I don't I don't understand how this all happens. Anyways, I then get a message from another account as someone else with an anime profile picture or some Paul Verhoeven thing, and they're like, "Hey, it's me. Hi. Oh, I don't shit. believe we've met. Uh, yeah, we have." I'm going to leave out some of the descriptors this person used. There's no reason for me to bring them up, but basically their physical appearance and I should remember them based on etc. No, I really don't know who you are. And they thought I was fucking with them. And they're like, I booked you for Sub-Zero in San Jose, which is a, a synth event. I'm like, no, I've never played this. Huh, I could have sworn that you're Evan. Did you oh make a new God. profile? <laughs> no, I'm fucking not him. Jesus. So now I'm getting like irritated, but at the same time, but you're, wait, wait, you have a gig and you're interested in me playing it? Go on. There's still an opportunity here. I should ride this out for as long as I can because in no band I've been in prior to this did I ever get offers to do things that involved any local conventions or, you know, cool niche things that I was interested in. It's kind of, can you go play the fucking Hog Crankers Chug Suckle Express in Bumfuck Town for $40? <laughs> And have everyone look at you funny, because you already look the way I do. If there's a thumbnail of what I look like, you'll understand. <laughs> and, um, you know, it just, you got a, you got a gig and you'd headline, because it was Wednesday and it was 1am, and you have a part-time job and not a full-time one, so you play last. Like, that was my experience in entertainment <laughs> leading up to this. So this was right. all very irritating, because I've always been the one Ian Cowell my whole life. P and Ian, whatever name could be come up with, you know, the thing that was used to single me out was suddenly a power because I was confused with another fucking nerd who looks like me. I, I I have no idea what's going on, but I'm I'm so down with it because every time we do a show, I meet these really cool people. So it's like, okay, th this is going to pay off somehow. I, I'm going to end up meeting this person. But I was going to say, like, I'm kind of confused because the whole time I'm just thinking. Uh, what about Evan? Like, so is he just getting passed up for gigs? Is is like, is his phone, figuratively speaking, not ringing anymore? Yeah, I don't. I still don't know how it is they didn't just directly contact someone they were supposedly like close friends with. That's the only thing in this. If anyone is listening right now who I've personally interacted with in the last like almost seven years, can just, I just don't. That's the only thing I don't understand. If this was a piece of film, I'd be like, that's that story, that part of the story is inconsistent. But it's also, I, if there is some God out there, whatever God listener you believe in, let's just say it's your God of choice or <laughs> okay. gods. And uh, maybe that's just them setting up, the, giving me a good hand so that we could all come here today and discuss this whole thing. I think it was pretty irritating for Evan, too, because by the time a couple of years go down the line, it, it did get bigger than this. So we, you know, we get offered to do this show, and it was adjacent to Silicon Valley Comic Con. And it, how this also ties back is, funny enough, Vector Hold was in the audience at the Phaserland show we played, and uh, I already really liked his music, but it never—I don't know what he looks like. He wasn't really showing his face on the internet yet, and uh, he hits me up. But this guy knows who I am, thankfully, because he doesn't know who Evan is, and he actually saw me in person, so <laughs> I got to be myself. And, you know, he's like, hey, you want to come do a show in San Jose? 
cool. By this point, I've already talked to the promoter who thought I was Evan. So they're going to come out and see this show in a bar and bring their friend, Gene, Gene, who I ended up becoming really close friends with from pixelated audio. So it just continues the steamroll and, you know, or snowball, whatever the, the, uh, the rolling analogy is people use for things. Um, bigger. Katamari maybe. <laughs> Katamari. Yes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, we play this show and admittedly it was like the worst show we ever did. We, we had only done three shows prior, but we were riding really high on how good those shows went. And this one was like in a bar right in front of a bunch of metalheads. And we look like we're in T-Square, like really (laughs) nice prints and like slacks and shit. And it was like the Revenge of the Nerds (laughs) moment, but not cool at all. Like this was like a crusty, like, but it's called the caravan. Anyone who's played the caravan knows crusty is the most endearing term you can give it. Like the security guard is front of house and looks like he'll fucking like demolish you at any second like i was trying to like fix my own monitor and he like put his hands on me and i was like i'm sorry dude like i'll never touch this shit again um, <laughs> it was just like something out of roadhouse like the band plays in like a cage <laughs> it's so funny it's like the yeah the synth wave roadhouse so we're doing the show at vector hole i have no idea they're gonna bring out like a fucking marshall half stack for a synth wave show and like a dell desktop oh shit and a, and a monitor to like play these tracks it was very intense i was into it and i was also like very intimidated going into it so it was like a terrible show but it was cool i met some great people because of it and then they realized okay well you're not evan you're ian okay we're putting it together by this point right i'm starting to we're starting to like people know who birthday is locally okay. and we're starting to do our own thing and uh we get booked to go and play at magwest in 2018 and um we go to check in and so nick and i we're still a two-piece at this point jay hasn't officially joined the band yet we go to check in and the room is in my name but it's also they also know that they have to look for a nicholas galvez so they said oh you've already checked in <laughs> that's interesting i don't don't believe I've been here yet, but okay. I get my keys. We go up to the room. There's uh, definitely personal belongings already in the space, like an 18 pack or a 12 or whatever size of Pabst. And I'm like, sick, man. There's already some blue ribbon in here, lukewarm. It's like the room was bit. Hold on a second. This, this wasn't a well thought out gift. This is someone else's room. And uh, as we're leaving, who do I see finally in person for the first time coming up that way is old Evan Cowell. There he is in the flesh. Holy shit. With his roommate. He's frustrated because someone else got access to his room. And then, hey, nice to finally meet you. It's me. He's like, oh, you're him. Okay. Oh, so shit. He's, he's irritated. <laughs> I'm irritated. We go downstairs. We're getting the room situated. You know, he keeps the room. So it's amicable. But, like, we already got friends who are drunk because the bar is, like, right nearby. And, you know, oh, it's the cowls. Fight, fight, fight. It's, like, one person (laughs) chanting fight. Like, no one's, like, entertained by this. And it's just awkward. And we're trying to get our shit together. It's cool seeing, like, two two sleeps on the panel. And, uh, you know, then we go do the panel. It's fun. We have a fun time. I don't know what was going on in life at the time, but he wasn't doing a lot of music. It, was, it wasn't as E.N. Cowell at the time. Uh, he has different project names for different things. So he was doing other music, but like modular synth work. And it's really good stuff, too. Okay. His stuff is really cool. And we, we, we at each other on Twitter now. And 
make jokes, but it, it has been a long running joke. 8 Bit SF has been like, let's do a cowl versus cowl night. Um, you guys, you know, some type of set where you guys each do a song or something. And I don't know what we would do. Uh, it would be really cool, but it's kind of funny. Like, I was definitely irked by it for a while because I wasn't even using Ian Cowell as an artist name. It was, I was already in a band. I just thought it was like strange that it would happen. Right. It, sometimes it was funny and sometimes it was just very irritating, but I would just roll with it. But, you know, years go by and I did start to think like, oh, fuck, especially when I started doing solo stuff, like it'd be kind of funny if it went the other way. But I promised myself like I wouldn't be a dick about it because this guy's really cool and he doesn't deserve to like, he shouldn't have to just put up with my nonsense. Right. And what made me think about that was, when this whole whole thing first started happening, funny enough, like when it was really bothering me, I was a Lyft driver for a little bit. I would listen to NPR, especially if I had to pick up high school kids because <laughs> they fucking hate NPR. <laughs> so it's like sick. I'm we're doing it. I don't I don't care. Even if it's things I don't like, I will sit through it. And um there was one on there where these two women had the same name. Like born the same year, same month, like got confused for each other. I think like one wanted to be an author, but never got to be. And one did become a successful author. And so one, one party was just very irritated by it. The one who was seemed to be more successful. And since then they became friends, but I remember being very irritated until I heard that episode. It was like, yeah, why am I, why am I getting so upset that me, that like me and this dude share a name it's like yeah like he goes by en cowell but it's like he didn't even know knew i fucking existed and it's like if i google en cowell there's a shit ton of like dentists in england with the same name like am i gonna get mad <laughs> at that gen xer because of this shit like because my parents chose a name like it, it doesn't I, there's a facebook group called the council of ians sometimes i think it's funny that i'm in it sometimes it's a very irritating group and people start getting upset about ideological differences. And there's some shit where, yeah, it's like, I think you're just an asshole. If you believe certain things that infringe upon fucking basic human rights. But outside of that, like I started realizing everyone is putting so much weight into the fact that they share a name. It's like, what about dudes named Steve or Dave? Those guys are way more fucking common than my name. And you know, or just dudes named Bruce, oh, like Bruce Lee. Like, do they? They probably hear that shit like all the time. Which I'm sure, if you see that Bruce, they look nothing like Bruce Lee. No one will ever confuse the two. Yeah, but like the jokes that all I have is like, oh, Simon Cowell. You know, that's it. Like when it comes to Ian's, like there's not a lot of us out there. So I think it's definitely like a, at least to me. I mean, th there's actors, right? But it's like so cool. I get Gandalf and Magneto. That's that's rad. And Bilbo. <laughs> yes thank you thank you sorry that didn't help you out did it at all no it's fine it's actually it's quite right actually you know for me these are things that pique my interest but I, I don't know i just i was a neckbeard about it straight up and like i tried to play it off but for some reason it like really got to me until i heard that i was like there's no there's no reason for it to like bug me it's stupid and then you know i finally like really embraced it and uh didn't talk to him for a long time and then recently he did a show at the DNA Lounge. And um, same thing, it was a GDC-centered event. And it's the first one where GDC is like back in full force in San Francisco. So lots of people are coming out to this event. It's, you know, it's well attended. It was a great time. And uh, we actually got to finally sit down and just talk. 
And uh, he showed me his pedal board of synth gear that he made, which has some M8 trackers on it and a bunch of electron gear. And it was really sick. The dude knows signal flow like nobody's business. And it was fun to just pick his brain on stuff that like I'm very interested in, but don't have the talent level that he does and understanding. And just get to like appreciate this dude for being his own EN cowl because... I kind of felt like, man, it must be irritating for him because I get, I got messages all that week of like, dude, I didn't know you're playing a show on Friday. And it's like, I'm not. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then I would be like, oh, no, that's another guy. I'm like, oh, you can't keep changing your name. First, it's Neon Cowl. Now it's this. Ha ha ha. And uh, I have to keep telling people, no, dude, that's not me. That's another guy. And it t- the, t- the tables totally flipped around. And then I was like, yeah, I think I think now it's I have full understanding of the situation and possibly how he felt in like 2017 to 2019. To me, what kind of stood out was the fact that like it went on so long and so many people just hadn't figured out because I'm like, how much <laughs> like you does he look? Because I, I'd imagine if I were to take pictures of both of you, put them next to each other, I'd be like, I'd be able to pick both of you out pretty easily. Yeah. It's pretty easy to pick us apart. Like the, one, like I would say no matter who you, how could how could I put it? Someone completely reworked a, a SNES game for the Genesis, and didn't even use the same sprite sheet. And someone's like, "That's the same guy." It's, no, it's not. <laughs> We're completely different. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's like a thing. Like I don't know if I should call somebody out on that. Is it as? Nah, I mean, like the only thing we have in common besides like we probably hover around the same twenty pounds, you know, floating in weight, give or take. We both probably can't grow a beard. We both look like the fifth musketeer. We got like a D'Artagnan thing going on. Um, (laughs) And we're both giant fucking nerds who love video game music and like synth stuff. Like, I think, I think that's the thing. It's just, it's like, you go to a school in a small town. It's like, you have two kids who wear glasses. They must be related. There's a lot of different examples I can give, but you know what I mean? It's just like, just because no, for, for different people. I know that the names and the music, the music definitely is a big part of it. Our music is very different too. That's the other thing. It's I hear that a lot. Like you guys are very similar. It's like we're really not. Um, which I'm happy for. Like if we both sounded exactly the same, it probably would be kind of irritating because <laughs> then it would uh I don't know, it wouldn't leave as much to the imagination. I like that this is a, like I wish I knew how Eurorack works and this guy has that shit <laughs> figured out. I I almost don't like I'm very tempted to go on this train of thought, but I also don't want to come off like I'm taking shots at some of the people involved because I I know as someone who I don't see people make comments or get confused by other people knowing full well that we look nothing alike, don't even have same like names. It's just I almost wonder, like, do some people just generally not? have that like do they just generally don't recognize that they're different people and i almost it's just very odd because you would think okay like if you're booking a show right you're the promoter what have you you would probably do at least some basic vetting of who's (laughs) performing of at least getting that know okay this is the music they perform this is what they look like and just for your own personal reference so it's either people were unaware or was this all a bit like this is this is very surreal to me because I'm like, I just cannot figure out that no one just decided, hey, these are two different people. I know. You know what's funny is I kind of get it at first with the profiles, like 
being a little vague or like mine are probably shit posty and maybe he didn't have a lot of uh, as much information so in passing i mean like look (laughs) i made a joke a while back on like facebook that if you have a profile picture that has neon grids or anything synthwave related or like your profile picture is you from the fucking terminator no offense to this cinematic master quest like i i'm not gonna just accept anything that is just a um that your whole identity is uh it's funny. i'll accept it on twitter completely but facebook is just kind of like i got pictures of my kids i don't really want you know right. somebody pretending to be fucking kyle reese to <laughs> have access <laughs> to my life you know what i mean wait are we now when you say kyle reese are we referring to like anton yelchin are we going like michael bean like <laughs> yeah no the latter definitely <laughs> <laughs> Which, now that I'm mentioning Michael Bean, shout out to Erica Schultz if she's listening. That was a great bit in a, a previous episode where we almost went like a whole like 15 minutes on like the movies of Michael Bean. Like it was great. That's so awesome. So the thing is, it's kind of easy to dissociate when you just look at like someone's avatar. I feel like, but yeah, I think if you're booking a show and someone is physically, and this is the before times, right? There's no, we don't know there's going to be a pandemic. I think you know when I would book shows and I'd put things together. I'm sleuth level of information. I want to know everything about who's coming aboard. Right. Absolutely. I'm not someone who's so fucking important. Like I can't do the basic discovery phase to find out about someone I'm going to interact with. You know what I mean? Unless it's something super last minute and someone just happened upon you. But if you supposedly know who I am, like, I don't know, man. I almost said it's bad journalism. It wasn't even journalism. You just fucking sent me a Facebook message. I appreciate it. It got me to where I am now, so it's great. But like, I we had press photos at the time. I think the image was the press photo of us in an arcade. Like, I am not that dude at all. And that's the part that is just like so. There's photos, and like you said it before times, but let alone a pandemic, the internet still exists. Yeah, Google or whatever search engine social like I I just. I mean, pictures of me with a with a daughter. This guy doesn't have children. It's just hella funny to me, dude. No, no, I I don't get me wrong. I find this to be like pretty fucking hilarious. I'm just more <laughs> just. Th- unfortunately, there's the Adrian that's like <laughs> that rules, man. Like this is so crazy. But then there's the other part of me, you know, the 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 logic based part of me, which I know like that part of me is often like locked in a cellar somewhere trying to get out, but cannot put. <laughs> two and two together like how did this go on as long and no one figured out so i can't imagine having very little knowledge of somebody right meeting (laughs) them and then them going oh you're you that would kind of like that would i would feel a certain (laughs) kind of way about that for sure (laughs) i'm just i'm just gonna just come out and say like i would feel mortified i'm like what do you mean i'm me like what do you know who are your sources who, what agency are you with? Like CIA, NSA, <laughs> NCIS, like NTSF, SUV, like which one? Oh man, I know, dude. It's so, uh, this whole thing is so fucking insane. So when you set this up, first off, like I knew there was like a thing, okay, there's another Ian. That's basically what you had said last episode. I just didn't realize the rabbit hole fell down that far. And then it's like, and then the other side of it too. And I've been given Kent, I hope he listens to this too, because- I was talking to Jonathan about this, the Arcadian. <laughs> Yo, shout out to the Arcadian, by the way. The guy, the guy I actually do look like, funny enough. Um, <laughs> oh, he's taller than me. I think I know where you're going with this, but I want you to tell the story. Because are you referring to the was it VGM Con? Were you guys performing together? 
Oh yeah, so we we finally we did our first show as Super Doppelganger Party because who's who? We both wore matching jumpsuits. Our hair like frizzes out the same way, you have the same facial hair. The difference is that guy can fucking sing and he could play guitar. Like I could play some guitar, but the Arcadian can fucking play the guitar and that dude can just run an entire show on his own he's a master class in performance and i'm always flattered and people get us mixed up (laughs) because he does the same shit that i do he just does it so much more effectively and then getting to spend a weekend hanging out with him and we've had this band we've put together from a distance and we only get to jam together a couple hours before our first show together ever And uh, we're having technical issues. The show, you know, it was a learning experience. It was a hell of a lot of fun. I definitely train wrecked in some places. He held it down. But there was a lot of firsts in that show for me. And I'm sure with him as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else we do. We're working on some other stuff I can't talk about yet. But there's going to be some more of the Arcadian in Ian Cowell in the future. And that dude's a total fucking sweetheart. He's a great guy. He and his partner, Emily, she's awesome too. They're both hilarious. They're great people. I understand people confusing us. Kent from Virtua Angaku out in Florida, he's come into streams and has made the, the joke of like, oh, is that Ian or is that the Arcadian? <laughs> and so I'll tag him on Twitter like, I don't know, why don't you book us and uh, find out? I'll come out to Florida. Come do a show. So. I'm hoping if I peer pressure Kent enough, he'll uh, he'll finally bend. Or maybe not. Maybe that's just going to like poke his buttons and he's like, fuck you. I'm not going to put you on. <laughs> <laughs> he's hella cool, though. He's he's a cool dude. Kent's awesome. Like, And I know like last time we were talking about uh, Josh and Bonus Stage, but I do want to you know shout out to everybody involved in Virtual Gaku. Hell yeah. There was a panel at VGMCon. Unfortunately, I didn't go in person. Um, I did catch some of the virtual events, but... I believe there was a panel that they were involved in talking about how the virtual space, you know, especially on Twitch, like how that kind of, I, th- I think the turn to use was saved region community. And I'm sure there's different schools of thought regarding that, but I'll just say that it definitely brought it to a level that I don't think it was at before. And this is just from an outsider's perspective. I'm sure someone who's more involved would feel differently, you know? And like I said, especially for somebody who, you know, I love live music. I've always loved live music. Getting out to shows doesn't happen as often as it used to be. And that was just even before the pandemic. You know, we talked about, of course, doing the family thing on the last episode. But having a space, and matter of fact, um, as of this recording, tomorrow and Saturday, the staff of VGM Together are doing like a, a creator spotlight. That's a really cool idea. And I know there are going to be some panels, some performances. And I know I harp on this a lot, but it's just been a really cool space. And I really do hope to at least get to meet some of y'all like in person. Like, yeah, it's just been so much fun, even connecting online. Like it's actually made being online fun again. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit, if you don't mind me kind of hinting at it a little bit about, you know, prior to the show that social media doesn't always tend to be a fun place. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) But I think being involved in that community has made it a lot of fun between discords and virtual shows and being involved in these things and seeing a lot of same people show up. And it's just a really great vibe. And <laughs> the fact that you and the Arcadian are, are teaming up, that's, that's a great one. And 
Also, and I'm not just saying this because you're here and that you're a friend, but also don't sell yourself short. Like you're a hell of a musician, dude. Like, and that's not to take anything away from your Katie or anybody else because you're both ridiculously talented in your own right. But there's also reasons why you two are pairing. That's like Billy Lee and Jimmy Lee type shit. <laughs> I have to remind myself that a lot. I think that's the thing that's really been a trip to me. You know, and it's funny in the time between both these episodes too, I'm looking forward to listening back and just reflecting on a lot of things in the short, very short amount of time between like the last couple of years have been great. And also the touch on the VGM being saved. I think that's a good title for a panel. Um, it's rejuvenated it. I don't know. Maybe some people who've been in it longer than I have feel like it needed saving from something or was lacking something. I've never really had any issues with it. I definitely like that it's not just metal arrangements now, as much as I love metal and metal arrangements. It isn't just dudes like me. It isn't just like white guitar dudes anymore. Even going out to fucking Minneapolis where, and this is all just based on, you know, my own assumptions and my own ignorance, but like, you see the evolution of convention shows and what bands are playing and who's doing what. And it's really cool to see a much more level playing field now. And I think streaming shows has really, and YouTube have really helped a lot of people find an avenue for performance. There's people that have blown me away with the albums they've done where I'm taken aback by the fact that it's like their first time doing these kinds of shows. Right. It's like, I come from like being in bands and then the streaming part or YouTube is the part that's new to me. So it's a totally different mindset. Like I'm excited to go back out and play live shows again, though it's a little weird, you know, post, not post, the pandemic's still happening. It's just, you know, the rules that we bend at the time, whatever the game master feels like it's fine to fucking do. <laughs> Pretty much, sadly. But, you know, it, it was good to go out and see so many different acts and not just have it split between here's the big stage and the small stage. There was a size difference, but you would get a fucking packed room in a smaller room and in the bigger room. It wasn't just like this is the space for electronic acts or chip tune or jazz or metal. Like everybody got to have equal space. And that was really cool to see. I don't know. It was just awesome. It wasn't like that before. It definitely wasn't. It was definitely a community that would always benefit people like me who do the kind of shit that I do. So I have a harder time listening to like anyone's struggles within the VGM scene, especially if it's like at the end of the day, it's another like white dude with a guitar. And not to say that people can't have their, their struggles or their problems with shit. Like there's burnout, there's things, but there are people who've like really been fucking toiling and making really cool shit that just haven't been given the same spotlight as like the same five to 10 bands who also deserve the attention, but like there's room for everybody. Everyone can eat at this table. And so again, big fucking shout out to Josh who I just saw the lineup for the next month's show. And it's like, there's people that like, I've been following on like Twitter or other social media avenues that don't get as much attention. And it's like, great to see them there. Great to see so many DJs. Great to see so many artists of color, people, you know, trans artists, people who are like VTubers, people across the fucking humanity spectrum. I love seeing it. As well, we should. This is something that Alan from Gangrews and I talked about a couple episodes ago. You know, this idea that the space is oversaturated because so many more people involved is the highest form of bullshit I've ever heard. Biggest form of bullshit in the world. 
that dung pile from Jurassic Park with the sick triceratops, that level of bullshit, because it's like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I never would ever want to, nor should I be, you know, the spokesperson for any particular group. You know, I can only speak for me, Adrian. Yeah. But look, I'm just going to keep it a buck. I think for a lot of people, even like doing a podcast and then meeting them in convention spaces, part of them are surprised like, oh shit, that's what you look like? <laughs> just so like. <laughs> yeah, there's there's still a lot of that internalized idea of who is allowed to be a nerd and who is allowed to be in those spaces. And it's it's something a lot of people who aren't you, right, have to suddenly face and are <laughs> not used to it. And it's like. I don't know. I grew up in the Bay Area, so to me, nothing is, like, fucking shocking. Like Right, and you're fortunate in that regard. Right, but a lot of people, yeah, it's their, they, they've never experienced that. I don't know. I they, We all have different places we've come from, but being here in in the States, yeah, it's uh, we have our own can of worms, and I'm just fucking glad to see the VGM community in person already is looking different than it was a little more than two years ago in person. And that isn't even that long ago. And no. mentally that was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and it's right? wild to me. Like you're, like you said, you're seeing so many people varying identities and nationalities. Uh, matter of fact, like, um, was that bonus stage where was it a um, pokerist project? I hope I'm pronouncing yeah. the name right. I know them in like uh, Thinican, like, you know, out of Chile, like they're doing the yeah. damn thing over there. I'm like, y'all are bringing it. This is so cool. Dude. Like, and I think was a game and sounds out of Italy, I believe. Yeah, I think he's Italy, right? Or fr- Italy or France, right? But same thing. Yeah, it's pretty wild, like, to think about where everyone is. Like, Carbo Hydro, he's in France. Uh, I mean, so many people I know in this community too like you have bands like martial art that are split up between moscow and canada san diego (laughs) i think arkansas (laughs) that's like how i mean i know how obviously but it's like never in a million years yeah this is the part that i think is something i will repeat until i am blue purple in the face (laughs) (laughs) i might cut that joke out i'm sorry that's terrible (laughs) but like that in and of itself is the point of community and not just the fact of having so many different people it's the idea that everybody can sit at one table but if someone wants to sit at another table that's maybe not the main one that's also cool and also at the same time no i've seen a lot of communities grow and i've seen a lot of them die because i think sometimes there comes an assumption that it's just one way or you know, and issues do rise. There will always, unfortunately, be, like, things that will, I don't know how to say this, but there things will come up that will definitely be a, a little rough. And if they're mm. dealt with accordingly and handled well, and, and not in a policing way, like, of course, you know, judging people based on their identity or whatever, but just more of a, look, we have to keep it safe and open for everyone as long as they're not awful that's that's what it should be and it's collaborative you know looking at the person next to you as someone that you could work with and not your competition exactly i mean right now and maybe i'm looking at it with maybe a little bit of starry eyes but it is just nice to see it's growing it's finding its way and it'll i'm sure it'll always be in a state of evolution and flux but that's fine i'm just really looking forward to seeing where it goes dude same here i mean we're at a point in game music history where fucking Charlie Rosen and Jake are getting a Grammy 
for like i think that's so crazy like that the last time you and i talked there's a few probably you know that's only like a couple of weeks yeah right it's like like six months after i had played a show with button masher and it was just like never would have thought dude we could get in a grammy less than a year later and he's like I mean, it blows his mind too i'm fucking with him all the time on instagram because he he fills my ego because he, <laughs> i make him laugh so much but it really like warmed my heart to see him be so stoked and emotional when he won i i just had a feeling he was gonna do it and i was waiting at the hotel after vgm con had ended with the news had come out and so everyone's buzzing about it. And he had told me that he's like, dude, if I win, I'm going to be up there with a greasy piece of pizza on stage. I was like, dude, you didn't have your fucking pizza. You, you got to give the Grammy back now. It's not going to work. Um, but it's like a VGM arrangement got a Grammy. That's already fucking wild. And then you have, you know, I don't know who's at Coachella this year, but Utada Hikaru does a set and opens with music from Kingdom Hearts. Is just, you know, they transcend just like that song or the songs they've done for that series. But it is still wild to me that something that I already didn't think would be a game in the mid 2000s has its, you know, big song played at fucking Coachella in broad daylight in the same span of time that Button Masher (laughs) and the 8 bit big band get a fucking Grammy. Video game music is really. It's hitting its stride. It's been around in pop culture long enough now to fully get its acceptance that it deserves. It's this argument always comes up, you know, is game music real music or is it not? And blah, 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 blah. You know, it's who gives a shit? Music is music. It just is. It's good. I didn't realize there was any other answer other than yes. Right. For you and I, right? It's very easy. And there's some people who really get hung up on that. I do think it's kind of silly to look at all game music as if it is one genre. I think Anton Carasso made that point, and I, I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like, it's, it's good to kind of diversify your musical tastes a little bit, but at the same time, VGM does touch on everything under the sun, so it's there's a lot good, a lot of good there. It's just nice to see that it's gone beyond just our generation that we're seen as like TV kids or the, you know the kids in front of the Nintendo. Like, no, this music. The people who were working on it originally were already so fucking inspired by everything around them. Like, no wonder there's a bunch of 30-something-year-old nerds like me who love T-Square and Cassiopeia who grew up playing fucking Mario Kart. And it's like, <laughs> listen to any T-Square album, it is Mario Kart. Like, it, no wonder I'm obsessed with the Iwi and Hawaiian shirts. Like, I just, I wish I could be in that band. Not really, I do it's kind of weird. I don't want to be in that band. I'm very <laughs> inspired by them. They, it, it would make sense if I was the age I was now in the mid eighties or in the early nineties and also had access to the internet and could research this shit. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's my aside to say T square rules <laughs> for anyone who doesn't listen to the square. That's why Mario Kart's Mario Kart. This is something I've really had to think about. I've wrestled with it. I still wrestle with it. I'm still kind of coming to terms with it. And every time I think I've come to a conclusion, I'll end up finding another layer. I was talking to you a little bit before we started about, you know, we talked a little bit about burnout and a little bit about finding the space to be creative and realizing that at least for me, in a general sense, I wish people understood that inspiration comes from anywhere. I'm inspired by the X-Men comics I read as a kid. I'm inspired by like the bands I listen to. 
Am I a comic book creator? No. Am I in a band? No. But yet listening to music is something that inspires me. Like, it's funny, like how much I love watching like music documentaries and how that inspires me to podcast, which is a very weird thing. It totally makes sense. No, dude, trust me. I'll watch like documentaries and things completely unrelated to whatever craft and it it'll still get the juices flowing creatively. And sometimes I could just be seeing someone else's passion for what they're making. That's exactly it. And I think that's what has been great about the video game music scene. And and also the fact that, you know, people within that community are also working on, you know, original music as well. And it's great to see how, again, this inspiration manifests itself. Absolutely. That's the thing, too. Yeah, it's like the VGM community is filled with people who are some of the most insanely fucking talented people I've ever met who go off and do other completely amazing things that you might not even be aware of, whether that's, you know, what their day gig is or whatever it could be. I'm always surprised, but also we shouldn't be because humans are complex and we're more than just the content that other people consume. And that's the part that I've really had to work at finding again is finding the passion for what I do. And a lot of that was seeing it in other people. I know that at least when I started, it was easier to a certain degree. It felt like at least there was a little bit more control given to the creator and not just content with a capital C. And I know a lot of that is not necessarily inherently the fault of the individual or the creators in general. And, you know, somehow like it's just kind of how these systems were built and how they've sort of been changed. And we play the game a little bit in hopes to get the word out there. But at the end of the day, we we work to sort of make connections. We create, whether it be for personal fulfillment or wanting to share. There's so many reasons why we do this. And it's unless it's something insidious, it's all hella valid. The rules that were established maybe, what, two years ago are constantly being broken. Yeah. Hell, the rules of like the last couple of weeks. Like, dude, the last time we spoke was only like a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, so much has happened between VGMCon, like you said. People have been performing more shows. There have been contacts. Like, so much has happened in a very small span of time. That's just, yeah. maybe it feels insignificant to an outsider, but it's really great to see. And, you know, even with, like, let's say the virtual shows, like you, you mentioned it perfectly, like the, the, the level of talent and the diversity of talent. How could I ever truly express or quantify just how meaningful all that is? No, I'm right there with you, man. I, it's easy to get caught up in the loop of feeling like you always have to be producing something or making content because we are so obsessed with leaving a legacy. And that's kind of what's been laid out kind of before us. It's, I have to wrestle with the idea that people don't listen to full albums as much as they used to. And I don't say that in like a people don't listen to albums anymore way. Like it's just the format has changed. Sometimes I sit there and I have this like existential dread or thing of like, do I even work on a record? Should I just make videos or singles? And, and really I at the end of the day, I just, I want to make whatever feels right at the time. Sometimes I want to do a fucking album that's like 25 songs and I'll get so like in my head about that for like a month. And then it's like, no, I'll do a bunch of singles. Then no, I'll do three EPs. And now I'll do an album. 
it always comes back to like a normal album cycle and some singles. But what matters most is like, how do I feel when I'm making that stuff, regardless mm-hmm. of how it ends up coming out? Right. And you get so used to doing things a certain way because that's how you were raised with it, or that's how you um, you came into contact with it. You still see like local bands doing that, or people in you know certain circuits that just feel like things have to be done in a certain fashion to pay your dues or do stuff. And it's like, really not the way it goes anymore. Like I have to remind myself, like, fuck, if I wanted to, I could just create an album. That's not even on Bandcamp. It could just be a picture of a turd on YouTube with music behind it. But it'll be mine. I don't know why that's my example, but there's no like absolute answer for what, how you, how media is made or like how much of it should be. It's like, I'll see this a lot with new artists. People come into like group things on like Facebook or genre specific stuff, like especially with things like Synthwave. It's it's very bad. And this is every time like a, a subgenre starts to really pick up steam. Mm-hmm. People are interested and they're inspired, right? So they want to make stuff too. And they'll ask questions like this. And it seems silly to some people, but I gotta try and be nice. Like, okay, guys, I made six songs. I now have to release an EP before I release an album, right? How do I get this? put out by a label and it's like oh you sweet summer child like you don't have to do any of that you don't have to follow these old world ideas for releasing fucking music like there's people out there who've made the most beautiful album that you're never gonna fucking hear that's just sitting on someone's external hard drive like forgotten in a closet and that bums me out too because i'm just thinking how much awesomeness did we miss out on because that flame was stomped out you know yeah. Or or even like maybe that flame wasn't even stomped that maybe that that inspiration was there the entire time that thing was made and the person who made it got nothing but joy. But you you know, see how easy it could be for you or I to maybe think like, man, what a bummer, because we didn't get the opportunity to hear it, you know? And then it it comes back to that like the you know, was the value made when it was created or was the value assigned when it was then consumed by the end user? That is a very valid point. But like, yeah, but I'm right there with you, right? It's like a shame. I think about that. Like, there's people I talk to on forums who are like, yeah, I have a shit ton of stuff that like is done. And in my brain, it's like, why isn't it out? Why haven't I heard this thing from you? I'm a fan of you. I don't know. It's just not. I have to accept that that's just like the answer. I don't want to as a fan, but for this person, that that's like, that's okay. I have another friend who just put out an album and they, you know, it's really good. And he's like, oh yeah, the second one's pretty much done. Like the idea of me even having a follow-up to Exceptional Goblins like fucking fills me with fear right now. <laughs> it was so much work to get the first one done. But I also put that pressure on myself for a while. Like I should have an album a year because that was how it would. I had like two years where there's a record each year or three years, however long. I don't know what time is anymore. And then it was like <laughs> then a year of singles and then an album. And then well, I had two. I had an album each year for 2020 and 2021. So definitely 2022. And I think I told myself yesterday in the car and really said it today too. Like I'm not putting out an album this year. I can't do it. Like, I need to give my brain a break. I'm working with so many different people on, like, other projects that are fulfilling in their own way that I'm now having to reassess what does an album mean to me. And I still, I would still do one, but is it that I feel like I have to ride the high of what I just did and I'm afraid of no longer being relevant? <laughs> this thing came out four months ago, and the fact that that's already something that, like, comes up in my brain is what kind of scares me about how quickly we consume media. 
Right. And at the same time, there is that conflict of wanting to create something that is evergreen, that doesn't feel like it has a, a short lifespan. Yes. This is me saying this because I am uh, an admirer of your work and also admirer of you, that even if you didn't release another album this year, Exceptional Goblins will still rip. It's not going to hit any less. Because I know some people are like, you know, oh, that's old or whatever. It's like, no, even if it is dated, it's still not old. It's still captured a moment in time. Exactly. You know, it's so funny you say that because I prescribe to the same ideology you're speaking of. When I'm saying it about someone else, it's so funny when it, when it comes down to something that becomes a product. Right. And that's where that, that weird creator mindset comes in we were talking about earlier. I have to then catch myself and ask myself why I'm doing it, right? Because I, it's very easy for me to then see the impact it has on other people, especially YouTube commenters, where someone leaves me like a fucking three-paragraph thing about how it impacts them. And I'm so touched by that that I then want to follow up that feeling for them and then treat them like you know they're my ward. I don't have to do that. Like that's its own fucking emotional baggage I got to unpack. Where it's like, I feel like I have to then like you know, well, this person is a fan, therefore now they are you know a fan and a customer. I I now have to no, you don't have to do any of that. The transaction took place, and that's not to say that I am not appreciative. It is just to say like for my own mental well being, and everyone should do this. Like it's okay if you're a creator to soak in the wants of your fan base, but it's also okay to just like not do anything but sit and play a video game or listen to music or make art or just fucking watch 90 Day Fiance and laugh. You can do any of these things. It, it's totally okay. And I've had to learn, especially over the last couple of years of going into like uh, hyperdrive of making shit that how much I'm reminded how much I love sitting on my ass and like not doing anything. <laughs> it's so good. And to not assign a value to productivity, it's very right. hard. It's so, it's so hard not to do it. Right. Because it's easy to say that we shouldn't do it because we know when we say it out loud, right. Objectively, like it sounds like, yeah, why would I assign a value to that? And also like my, my whole relationship with the idea of work has changed since I've been home for two years, which is funny because I'm about to re-enter a physical workforce with like a mixed work from home and also possibly going into an office type setting. And that's that's great. I'm not going to get into personal details on that, but I will say that I did a lot for a little in a previous life and definitely fell captive to a mindset I do not agree with being the hustle and grind mentality and how much that also perpetuated the career field that I was in. And it's kind of still related to what I'm about to go into. Right. Because I was also in a position that had upper management and sales quotas and also profit sharing. It was very easy to look at dollar amounts and then try and only think about ways to benefit a company that really wouldn't have your interests at in mind. Mm -hmm. which I don't work for this company anymore, so I can say all these things. But luckily, the job I'm doing now is a fun job with some friends, and it's on the internet. So it's cool, and it works. I'm home with my family, and I'm able to make things at my leisure. But that has kind of become a double-edged sword because I've spent a lot of time with my own mind and... Uh, have been able to really think like, wow, do I want to go and take my time and my time is valuable 
and spend it for someone who does not care about me. But also, do I want a job to really care about me when I know that it's transactional? I mean, yes, I, as a human being, fucking, of course, please, like, <laughs> you know, don't take advantage. But being one of the people who's been lucky enough to be able to work at home and be able to create when I want to, it's easy to feel guilty when I'm not doing that. But I also have to remember that I'm still proud of what I have made. And I don't think there's anything about the record I just put out that I want differently. I'm very happy with it. Right. And I'm very satisfied with it. And it is still very fresh. And I don't want to listen to it all the time because I did a lot of that. But so many of those songs have not been even performed live or just got the opportunity to to have that happen. And there's every time that someone buys a copy of it, I'm always flattered and it continues to happen. And that surprises me. And um, it's so easy when you're someone who's made music and you put it on Bandcamp for fucking years through different projects. Like you get used to the first week of talking about something and then you kind of like lose hope because, you know, it's just, it's just how it goes. You know, mm-hmm. you look at any creator too, who like someone can have like, let's just throw a bullshit vanity metric, 500,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, maybe 800,000 subscribers on YouTube, a well to do TikTok. They make memes. Actually, no, let's use a real-world example. K-Mac. He makes a really funny, like, gent videos and stuff. He's, a, I think he's Scottish. He's a funny kid. I say kid, he's an adult, but, like, he's younger than me, so I said kid. Um, yep, I, I, unfortunately, I do that sometimes, too, and I know it's, it's terrible, so I do apologize. <laughs> I have to really catch myself. No, it's all good. Like, yeah, we both apologize to you, listener, um, but... You know, he got pretty well known on YouTube for making these really funny videos. Like if Green Day did a gent song or he would do a lot of just meme videos, but he obviously is talented, right? And he has good comedic timing. And so he started doing more interviews and started doing more stuff and, you know, kind of demystifying who he was and showing, hey, I'm not just the guy who makes memes. And then he put a lot of effort into saying, hey, I'm actually going to make an EP with some original music. And uh, it means a lot to me. And I was so stoked on him doing this and picked it up. And then it was kind of funny to see that how that metric is different, right? Like, even if he has tens of millions of views or whatever on YouTube, like, it is hardly anywhere close to that on Bandcamp. Like, it is a fraction. However, you know, weigh out what he probably makes on Bandcamp versus what you're going to make on YouTube. And it's a, it's a big difference. But right. it's, basically, it's really easy to see like that. It doesn't, it doesn't translate. So basically, it's a long-winded way of saying I'm, I'm very, when people continue to buy my music and support me and do that, I'm reminded of why I did it and what it means to me. And that I don't have to just, that the album, the album happened because all these other little things and doing it just to do it. It wasn't because I was going to make an album out of it. It, it, I mean, a few songs in, it started to become clear, like this could become something. And I definitely started to like pair up certain tracks and go, yeah, you would work really well together, but it wasn't going to happen if it wasn't right. And it ended up being right. And people were very vocal in their belief and what I do. And that really propelled everything to come out the way it did. So for every time I'm hard on myself about my output, I've got to remind myself of where I have come from, even in fucking two years, two months, you know, a decade, five, whatever metric of time. A lot's happened very fast, and I'm very thankful for it. 
And uh, the whole thing is just fucking trippy, dude. I mean, like, I I text with Dan Hess now from Pilot Wing 64. That's just fucking weird to me. He's the nicest dude. He feels like any other, like, uncle who was in a band that, you know, would have hung out with my dad. It's so casual, but it still fucks with me that it's really happening. Because at the end of the day, now talking to you, and this is something we've talked about before, and this is a reason why we're now talking again so quickly after the first time, is that I love your music. I think you're ridiculously talented. I think that... A lot of the people I talk to are talented. I think, like, Ro Panagotti's talented. I think that Lacey Johnson's talented. I think Stimmage is talented. Like, I think that Mega Ran and Kadesh Flo are talented. Like, I, I think the Icarus Kid is talented. Like, all of these people, you know, then again, like, Tara C. Like, so many people that I've interacted with, they're all so wonderfully talented. And they make great music. But at the end of the day, the art in which they create was just, I think, maybe in a way is like an introduction almost like a a very interesting form of like a handshake so to speak yeah and i understand that every relationship is different and not everybody's gonna be at that same level like okay the level in which i speak to you is not going to be the way i necessarily speak to let's say another creator but it at least introduces me to that person and i guess if i'm really saying anything is that you know after vgm con we hit it off right away And as much as I want to talk to you about Exceptional Goblins, it's like, you know, I'd rather just talk to you about you. Because the things that you create and the things that some of the other people that I've spoken with, regardless of the the genre, medium, or whatever, I find those people interesting. I find that they have value because, well, they're human beings. And the things that we make are parts of us. And maybe this is not necessarily a, a take that everybody would have. And, you know, anybody listening, feel free to disagree or agree, either one. But I feel like we are more than the things that we make. Yeah. Like, I love that for us, but I wanted to do this because I wanted to find ways to connect with people, especially in a world that doesn't allow us to do so. We're more, we're more than our creations, that's for sure. <laughs> and I have to remind myself of that. When these people who've made these things that have touched my life are humanized and are in front of me and want to connect on a human level. And I, I have to remember that too, when I'm interacting with people for the first time and they just know me as the dancing link. That was the thing that kind of tripped me up for a few days was like, okay, like this costume has funny enough opened a lot of doors, but it definitely had me thinking for a bit about that. Like, I don't know, just the assumptions we make of creators or of people who have made something that we like and only seeing them through their creations and not for everything else that they are. Right. Which doesn't help. And that's the thing, you know, it's like, you know, saying it's like, when I'm talking to Dan, it's like, I'm not thinking about the fucking hang glider level. (laughs) You know, it's like, he's his own human being. It's still funny when I break it down to like, that's how we ended up meeting. But it's like, I like that we shared this connection on other stuff too. And I had to remind myself that a lot at VGM Con, where it's like, I've only experienced a lot of these people as their profile pictures or their YouTube thumbnail or what they look like on a 4K shaky fucking Undertale cover video. You know, like, 
it, it's it when they're standing in front of you as a fucking living, breathing human being that does other things and had to think about their traveling plans in there as well and what they're going to eat that day. Like it's uh, entertainment has been a boon, and also it's crazy for our mental health how it has impacted the way we perceive folks. It really has, and that's something that I know I sometimes struggle with so i definitely resonate with you on that one yeah it's man it's a head trip (laughs) and it's also especially tough for me because it's like i want to talk to people about the you know the things that they make but i also want to just understand you know the thought processes behind it absolutely and it's tough because you know you want to do that informed by these things but not also sound like a commercial i guess for lack of a better term absolutely yeah like there's no press uh press talking points here of like this is what we're going to talk about uh in particular when we talk to ian don't talk about track four uh but track five is okay we can discuss that like you could tell when an interview is scripted out especially like a podcast where you know you have your rotating guest list and uh you know when it it is just about whatever they're talking and some people you know have media tours they can they're only going to talk about that one thing it's not a it's not a, a personal issue against them it's just yeah that's what they're there to discuss i i love the couch riffs podcast for example i was on that a couple months ago it was awesome and i love dweezil zappa the dweezil zappa episode was one i look forward to it was like one of my least favorite ones not because of the interview itself it's just because it wasn't what i was you know looking as dweezil had something to promote and it was a really big thing he's working on. It's really cool. It's a website he designed, but it like, you know, it he was there to discuss that and that alone. And there was gonna be no other talking points. But I also understand that, like, that's the prerogative, you know, to discuss that. And uh he also doesn't owe it to an audience to talk about experiences with his father who's deceased and is the only other thing people ever want to talk about with him. So also good for him for having this platform to discuss it. But yeah, it is nice to actually talk about the meat and not just, you know, and not just the the dressings of the, of the meal. And for the record, I'm not necessarily knocking any time that those interviews happen or anyone who maybe wants to talk a particular thing. And I, and I hope that, and I hope that comes across in what I'm saying. I should honestly do it. I should do it more because I always forget to. <laughs> I just like to, I like to bond with people. So it's like, I'm the worst person to sell merch to at a show because I'll leave my merch booth to just like hang out with people. I don't want to, f- I can't stand still. So, <laughs> so like, it's all good. Like I'm terrible about self-promotion. I'm good about it when it comes to writing it, when it comes to talking about it, I just, I want to know what makes you tick, Adrian. You know, <laughs> that's why we're. You know, it's like it's a, it's a, it's a friend hang, but it depends on the platform. I love the platform of this show because you could do this. Not that you can't elsewhere, but it's it's very loose, and I I like it because I think for both of us it is it is very for you it's especially late in the evening. <laughs> which is where most of my wacky thoughts come from so i might listen back to this and be like what is this guy on holy crap <laughs> not, Me, not mescaline. you <laughs> not mescaline <laughs> oh boy that is gonna turn into like an after school special it's like <laughs> adrian has issues with mescal's like no 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 yeah, it's like that that the the joke that ends up not letting me get that job. <laughs> I mean, I could cut that out if you want. No, to leave it in there, it's good. Okay. 
<laughs> the background check company can't even do a background check correctly. Like, I think we're fine. <laughs> so stupid. Who hired? I just want to. I just want to say before you know we we wrap anything up here. Um, and I wanted to ask if there's anything else you want to talk about. But first, I want to say <laughs> you guys are the worst background check company i've ever experienced this is nothing against my prospective employer by the way like they're they're they've been nice they've been cool so far but is awful how are you a background check i've done so many background checks in my life i've never had someone not find a single job i've worked at or where i went to fucking high school i had to go on a fetch quest to get pay stubs and to get my transcripts like I'd go back to the high school. It's like every final boss fight or fetch quest always ends back at like the first village. And that's what it was such a fucking nightmare. Like, I don't understand how you can't find that out. I can find so many things about myself out on the internet. So if you're listening, you're awful. And why are you listening to this? You should be finding my transcript that I found. Am I keeping that in? Yeah. Keep that in. Screw those guys. <laughs> I, I'm also just worried that like, you know, to, to circle back, you know, the other cowl, it turns out there, like, ready. It was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. Oh, sorry. You did. We. Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally. Yeah. That's a. Oh, man. I love that circle back. Yeah. No. It's. If they got Evan Cowell's information, how the fuck? I gave you a social security number. Oh, my God, Ian, like, this is <laughs> this is always a treat. Seriously, man. I mean, how do you even close that up? Like, we, we kind of ran the gamut there to, to now be like, where can people find you online? I feel like would <laughs> I don't feel like it would it would be a, a good way to cap this. Well, I feel like if you're it's pretty easy. Just go to iancowell.com. There's a picture of me. I'm I, I exist. Don't know why I had to get my transcript, but thank you. Um gosh terrible uh yeah no um i'm all over the, i'm all over the internet i am iancowell.com it redirects you to my band camp at some point it will be a website remember those hey i'm <laughs> park just for me um i'm on twitter i'm on tiktok and i'm i'm on uh instagram all as neon cowl n-e-o-n-c-o-w-e-l-l neon cowl it's like eon cowl but it's neon not to be confused with e-n cowl that's evan cowl he goes by moy four track machine i'll actually i'm gonna let you guys know how you can find evan cowl he's predominantly on twitter at e-n cowl letter e letter n C-O-W-E-L-L. Nice. We're both pretty easy to find, but we're not the same. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, I, I, I do love this Ian versus Ian series. Like, <laughs> I almost tended to find a way to make this a trilogy. Well, all of our information, you can find at agentasissues.com. Uh, we are available pretty much anywhere you can get find podcasts these days. On social media, we are on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues, Instagram, Adrian Has Issues Pod. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to share, retweet, like, comment, any way to get the word out. And I know that's one of those things that I know we just got talking about, like how numbers aren't necessarily as great, but in the eyes of our digital overlords, they do help get the word out. So any of that is appreciated. And also, thank you so much, Stimage, for providing our theme song. 
And thank you to JL Draco for the fantastic logo. And thank you, Ian, for hanging out with me again on another great late night. And I will probably wake up and being like, what the hell did I just talk about? (laughs) And go back and be like, this is the greatest time I've ever had. That's awesome. (laughs) All right, everybody. I will end this episode by asking the question, every creator has a story. What's yours? Have a good night, everybody. For more great podcasts, visit adrianhasissues.com.